Hey everyone, welcome back to the Coach Murph Podcast. Today I have my boy, Drew Richard. He's at d.r.hitting on Instagram, TikTok. Is that your hand on YouTube as well? You bet. Heck yeah. And I mean, this guy's got, you got 77,000 on Instagram, 81,000 on TikTok, 18.6,000 on YouTube. Why do you think you got that many followers, Drew? Oh man, um, I mean, it was. It, I don't know if there's a specific reason. I just, I, I think what what people like about my content, I guess, is effective communication. If I had a, if I had to summarize it into something yep. like that, because I think a lot, a lot of times, you know, and and I've seen it a lot of times through through when I was coaching or when when I was playing. You know, sometimes coaches are tellers, not teachers, and. Boom. And they like to tell information. But the thing is, is like, if you're working with a seven-year-old, it's like, hey, buddy, make sure you get your pelvis into this and you want to make sure you're loading their back scat. And Dude. You know, it's like, good luck, good luck on making making uh, children or, or anyone. I mean, shoot, we all learn like five-year-olds. So I think the biggest thing for me that, that has gotten to me where I am in the social media atmosphere is, uh, is really just trying to effectively communicate these hard things into ways that anybody can try to learn it 100 percent. everyone when you speak fundamentals which is where i think you and i cross over Definitely. like you can Definitely. reach and help so many more people and with fundamentals not only in baseball but in anything like work different sports etc um if you address and improve your fundamentals you're giving yourself a better foundation and it gives you that's the biggest room for improvement. If you fix a fundamental flaw, it can literally be night and day. And I think you and I have both seen that countless times, right? Definitely, man. I mean, with with anything, you're right. But like so many times when, when we look at the big puzzle of whatever it is, for example, like in my atmosphere, it's, or in my sphere, it's, it's hitting. A mm -hmm. lot of times everyone's looking at like the end result and trying to fix like the end result. When in reality, it's like you can't just fix the end result by trying to fix the the last piece of the puzzle right it's like there's things that are going on really early right because if you try to make like make that adjustment to something end of the puzzle like you said it's just like a band-aid whereas if you totally. fix the foundation you're able to stack on top of that way more consistently like yeah you know yeah, it's no, hard to fix a con right. it's hard to you know teach a concept of something pretty high level when the basic level, the foundation of, of your swing or mechanics or the foundation of whatever you do, if that's flawed, it's gonna be really hard to do higher level things. Yeah, and, and you'd think that like, you know, this would be under, I mean, most, I, a lot of people understand it for sure, yeah. but I've just seen it time and time again, you know, I with my coach or with my playing experience, I really didn't get much fundamental coaching, much, me anything, too, bro. Really, like any any of my career, and I think they, I, at least for me, I can't speak for you, but that's that's a lot of why I do it. Mm -hmm. um, it yep. is because I'm like, man, this is just not good. <laughs> like this yeah. is not good. If if we it's expect hitters, yeah, man. I mean, and 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 just for my for me and my story, it's like I'm from a town of literally no one. Mm -hmm. You come into Keeler, <laughs> Wisconsin, and Keeler, what it baby. says on the Keeler, you know. You bet, man. Keeler. It says population unincorporated. That's No, it doesn't. 
that what was your small. Gradu- what was your graduating class in high school, Murph? Uh, mine was 190. 190? Okay, that's okay. Not too bad. That's yeah. Good. Gotcha. Mine was 50. So just Dang. tiny, tiny area, and and I'm in Wisconsin, right? So let's think. It's cold, a lot. Hmm. So your access to practicing for baseball, not very much. Yeah. No one really likes swinging in on a gym floor or taking ground balls hey, on a gym I'm floor. I'm New Hampshire, man. I get mm-hmm. you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah, that's the thing. And there was not much facility, there wasn't much training, anything like that. So me growing up, it was basketball or football, football season, pick up a football. Boom. Basketball season, pick up a basketball. Yeah. Right, baseball, here's your bat. And that that's the gist of what it was. So yeah. Which was is really great in a lot of ways. Like, you definitely. know, the mul- I think you and I are both on the multi sport uh you know, or proponents of that, but you know, definitely. if you're trying to become a higher level player, you need that detailed coaching. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it helped me a ton in terms of like the athleticism factor because then it was just like, dude's just I a premier like, athlete. Oh, dude, prime, <laughs> five foot eight, hundred and ninety pounds of just dripping athlete, dude. Just wow. You were dunking at the age of twelve, <laughs> dude. I saw it too. <laughs> I'm glad you were. I'm glad. I'm glad you heard about it. I'm glad you heard about it. I, Dude, I thought those, everyone was talking stories, about it. Stories just kept going and going. I just didn't know when they were going to stop. I'm glad that they they made their way out to you. Well, the because we're on that, I think you and I both share the emphasis on communication and fundamentals. I think that's why we were great fits for NYBC, which is where we met each other. NYBC is not your average baseball camp. This is something that was started in January by uh, Coach Rack and Catching Made Simple, Ange, and they basically br- brought all of us creators in the baseball space together. Now, how many uh, of, us, of us were there in the last one? Probably like 10 or 11 coaches? Yeah, right around there. I think around 10. Yeah, so we had that with about 50 kids, mm-hmm. and it was honestly such a great time. Uh, Drew and I clicked immediately. And uh, I think it's because of what a lot of what we just talked about. Plus, we're dudes. We're dudes, bro. <laughs> All right. So I stalked you a little bit, Drew. So oh, yeah. you played at Cuba City High School, right? Yep. Cuba City Cubans. You ended up really going... creative. Sorry? Cuba City Cubans. That was our mascot. <laughs> Sorry. You could... I love that. And then the mascots, uh, the mascots changed in the nineties, yeah. two thousands. Wait, some why? Reason. Wait, why? I don't know. No idea. <laughs> I mean, you should have seen what the mascot was. <laughs> Wisconsin, no feel, man, no feel. <laughs> and and then you went on to play at Lakeland University in Wisconsin, and then I think the coolest thing that you can hang your hat on forever is that you played pro ball with the Roswell Invaders mm-hmm. and. That's an independent league team, right? You bet. Yep. You bet. Unbelievable. Uh, so now you're coaching full-time in Wisconsin. I already mentioned how you're blowing up on uh, your social medias and providing great instruction to uh, players of all ages. And you have your own podcast called the Stick, Top, Stick Talk Podcast, which you do with Ian Jenkins hitting. Um, so I got to say, after I listed your playing experience, can you talk about uh, your recruiting process from okay. high school to college, and please explain it, um, like your thoughts during this process, and provide advice to athletes who are in that position now. Totally, man. I think it my my situation 
could be very different than whoever's listening situation is. Mm -hmm. But I think it all kind of goes the same. And you have to be very self-aware of where you are as an athlete and where you are as a baseball player or basketball player, whoever the heck you are, right? Um, For me, in my situation specifically, like I said, I'm from nowhere. I'm from a town of nothing. Uh, Just a boy from Wisconsin. Just a little boy boy (laughs) from Wisconsin. But regardless, uh, so the recruiting process was completely initiated by me. I'd love to say that, like, oh, people were flocking to these games, you know, to come watch me and and whatnot. But again. Just the girls, right? Just the moms. Yeah, girls. Yeah, the moms. (laughs) The moms were there to watch their sons play baseball. That was our crowd. That was. (laughs) That's what I mean, Murph. Jeez, really? That's what I was thinking Re- too. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, 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 not just the girls, the moms, the dads came around. <laughs> but regardless, uh, <laughs> this is how this podcast is going to go, man. Uh, it's good. Regard- regardless, yeah, it was just like parents were there. I couldn't. I bet the the max. Well, I bet the max capacity for a regular game, not playoffs or anything, was like fifty to sixty people. Right. Not many people were there, and local colleges couldn't have given a crap less about mm-hmm. that area of baseball because they didn't think that there was much talent out of where we were from. Right. For example, there was in my senior on my senior class in in high school, not just my class but like of our whole conference, there was only two people who went on to play college baseball and they were at the Division 3 wow. level. So it was like it's not a hotbed for for talent. So again, back to the original question, the recruitment process was initiated by me. My high school coach oh. never set my never my high school coach never sent out an email, never talked to another high school coach. And, you know, I wouldn't suggest that for other high school coaches, obviously then for your players, but guys, you are your own marketer. You are your own salesman for your talent. If So what I had to do was I had to go out on the internet, email coaches, look for different ways that I could contact these, these programs and be like, hey, I want to play for you. It wasn't mm-hmm. these colleges. And we, a lot of kids have this notion that they're like, hey, these colleges have to come once see me. It, maybe that's the case if you're a top tier player, right. and I know, and I, I know you've made a video on this recently. Yeah, it was really, really good video. I'd suggest anyone to watch that. But just in general, like, unless if you're a top tier talent, in that case, like, yeah, they're gonna come see you, but you know that already. But right. if you're not in that very few select percentage, you got to make you, your own magic. Hundred percent, man, and that's and that's a lot of what it was for me. I just was emailing coaches, seeing if I was the right fit. I, I was very realistic with it. I wasn't reaching out to like D ones or anything like that. I was like, hey, like, I'm five eight. I'm not. I don't hit for much power. I don't throw that hard. I love baseball. You but know? I've got heart. <laughs> I've got they don't. Dog. This, you know? this dog's got a ton of fat. <laughs> But, dude, this is, like like you said, I made a video on this earlier. This is basically what my whole first podcast was about. Um, and that stems from working with so many high school players this summer. Like, I just want – it's it's a shame, really, if you put in all this work to be, you know, the, the ball player that you are and to not let that talent be recognized. 100%. It's like, why are you working this hard but not working to actually achieve, you know, your goal or your dream of playing at the next level? So I think just that word inherently, recruiting, uh, gets people stuck in this mindset like, all right, like I'm waiting to be recruited. It's like, yes. no, we, we got to think about it as networking. Like the, 
the school I committed to, they, they're right down the street from me in Texas now. Uh, but living in New Hampshire, you think they're going to know about me from New Hampshire when they're a D3 school in Dallas? No. Heck no. You know, so, I mean, it's not, I don't know. So I feel like some kids get really bummed out that they're not getting talked to looks. by these school. Yeah, these looks and stuff. But, like, looks. dude, how do you expect the, the school, like, you and me case, yeah. we were looking at uh, D2, D3, like, how do you expect these programs with like lesser marketing budgets they they can't go out fly out to boston to to see a player to recruit like yeah. how do you expect to get recognized by them exactly you know? so that's great that's great i think you're 100 percent right that it's you got to look at it as a, in a different lens and and understand on both sides be like that's not as cool as it sounds you know to have them come see you you got to be realistic with it you got to you got to think honestly for yourself and i think and, and i think that's a big part to to kind of see that is, is to be realistic like i said at the very beginning of yeah. like, be realistic with yourself like mm -hmm. hey where where i've i've played against this talent you know how do i stack up right what what do i have you know and the more you can understand that i think it can it can give you a, a real good lens of it and i'll say this too um and with a lot of times i feel like we're looking for that like the, the, the social media aspect to it and obviously Hondo, we're in social dude. media so yeah. we're, we're looking to it and obviously it's cool it's awesome you want to commit to a cool college and show all your friends that hey i committed to this cool big place but let's say you try to get you all your only goal is to get to this the coolest place that you can get to right sweet maybe you maybe you get a, a walk-on opportunity at a d1 mm -hmm. or something like that you know and and not saying that those Rudy stories don't come true, but mm -hmm. you might, what might happen realistically is you go to this place and you're really trying hard to get to this place just because you wanted to put a cool Instagram post of I committed to X, whatever Dude, it is, your right? career for some status thing to impress, you know, your high school friends. It's, and you know, it sounds like that's a reality of what's happening. It is. And it is and cool. It, it, like it, yeah, even without like sports, like just people, you know, putting out there, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, going to this school, like sports aside, it's a status thing. And don't let your love of the game be overruled by status or what people think. Because totally. a lot of the time when that happens, like if you end up, if you lack that awareness or, or if you're, again, like, you know, those stories do happen where you, you know, you reach higher and you end up climbing the totem pole and, and doing that. That's great. But, you know, a lot of the times it, it ends up that you're doing all this and you're going to a school that's probably over your level where you're not going to get playing time. And, you know, you love the game because you love to play in almost every play. aspect. So yeah. if you're not playing, what do you think that's going to do to your love of the game? Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I think and I think when it comes to that, too, for people who are making their decision or, or people who are looking to commit to a place to kind of to kind of veer into that is you have to understand like what works or what's going to be the best outcome for you you have to think about the future you can't think about just the right now looking cool on instagram you have to think like okay if i'm going to this place i have to be ready to commit okay if it's juco two years four year four years yeah. I, that's that's a long time you know yeah. and and you have to understand that like what do i want my career to look like yeah. what talking to these coaches what's the atmosphere like in the place do you like that place you know yeah. do you did you go there and get a good feel about it 
people you know, don't I think know that's... their prerequisites or people haven't thought about what they want so they're just i think what a lot of people do is they go on school visits to find out what they want and stuff and they try to find out along the way i think before you even start that process you have to ask yourself like based on who you are and your circumstances what are the most important pillars to you and then try to link up with those schools that align with that totally i think a big one is culture like i think a big one is culture and like just the feel of that um what did it for me like back to my recruiting process or what whatever um it when i went to when when i went to lakeland where i ended up going so I, i i visited three different schools and the first two, it was solid. I enjoyed it, but nothing like stuck out to me. And then I went to Lakeland. Ole Miss, LSU, the yeah, Lakeland. Yeah, Alabama. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Regardless. Well, and Alabama went, for football. For football, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dude, running back. One hell of a tailback. It's just all the way I ran ran that ball. But regardless. <laughs> the hero. <laughs> but regardless, uh, it, it, you go to a place and you're like, wow, this feels like home. This feels like mm-hmm. some place that you could – enjoy your time for four years you know i think that's almost more important than anything i was talking to one of my athletes i was coaching recently and she was offered a full ride scholarship to a junior college for two years Mm -hmm. or she could went to which surprising enough was lakeland Mm -hmm. and and she asked me like what is the path and i was like oh my god that's that's a big decision like Mm -hmm. i was like you know and i asked her like hey what you tell me like what was your feel on both places and she's like i don't know if i like the big city that's where the you know the juco was in a, a city in milwaukee mm-hmm. and she's like i don't know if i like that place it, it just but the money and the the uh, the, the scholarship right. right and like being able to get the school paid for for two years and i was like that's super important but like i, I obviously i asked her a lot more questions than just right. the face value of it but but the point like, being like where each of those factors, what percentage level, for lack of a better term, does each of those factors matter to you? You know, Those are all different and, factors, but each factor, based on your situation, is going to be more priority. Totally. And then she said in her message, she was like, Lakeland felt more like home to me. And I was mm-hmm. like, you got to hear uh, yourself talk right there. Yeah. I was like, you got to hear yourself talk. Don't just talk to me. You got to hear yourself. Obviously, right. like, okay, a lot, yes. The, and and the financials obviously every situation is different like right. if your financial situation is dire that could be completely different but yeah. for her it was, i was like hey after four years or two years where do you think you'd be happier with your with your decision right. where do you think you would be more happy and she was that she kind of knew her decision from there yeah. so i and i think a lot of people have to understand that too is like this girl could have been like put on a cool full ride scholarship to blah 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 but then goes there, hates it after the first year, right. is done with softball altogether, let's say. Yeah. Then she still has to go to college to get a degree get a yeah. degree somewhere else, pay for it, et cetera, et cetera. It's like what might have been the best better route? And yeah. I'm not saying it's always just one route because that was similar to what I picked. It could be totally mm-hmm. different. But you gotta be again self aware of like, hey, where is the best decision for me? And you can find that answer, like that's gonna fix your recruiting idea for you just right there. DR baby. Heck yeah. So after Lakeland, you played professional baseball, which we talked about, which, you know, something you can hang your hat on forever. That is so awesome. And and something like I want you to talk as if you're talking to me like when I'm in high school, because I think I just didn't have that possibility unlocked. Like there's that uh, independent league route, which is 
a league that sees a lot of major, uh, a lot of former major leaguers, and a lot of major leaguers have made comebacks from the MLB, played an independent ball, and then gone back to the majors. Uh, Scott Casimir yep. comes to mind. Rich, Rich Hill. Uh, yep. Yeah, Rich Hill. Uh, Roger Clemens pitching the independent league once, I'm pretty sure. Anyways, don't fact check after? me on that. Okay, regardless. After, regardless. after. Yeah, yeah. Regardless. Uh, yeah. yeah, before so he went between, to the Red Sox. <laughs> it's like in between Cy Young 4 and 5. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, but, like, tell us how important, you know, the just being able to say you played professional baseball. Like, you know, not, not as a status thing, but just, you know, it's something you can proudly wear on your yeah. heart. And tell players who otherwise might not think that that's attainable – Tell them how you made that happen. I love that question. Uh, I think I didn't think it was attainable until my my coach came up to me my senior year. Pretty much was like, "Hey, do you want to keep playing?" And in, in senior year of college, so because I know a great men softball league down the street. Yeah, you'd yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be a great second baseman. <laughs> you'd be a great catcher in our slow pit softball league. Yeah, great catcher. <laughs> but, but but regardless, like I like I always as a kid, I always had the big league dream. Obviously, I love baseball, mm-hmm. and and I wanted to keep playing. And I think that was more important to keep playing aspect than the big league aspect, because I was like I said, I was pretty. I think I was pretty looking back on my career. I think I was pretty realistic with my ability and like mm-hmm. and thinking of like okay, where where is ceiling here, you know? And I was and I kept playing and like. In high school, you know, I was like, okay, like on JV, I'm pretty good on JV. Got on varsity. Okay, I'm pretty good on varsity. I want to go to college. Went to college. Okay, I'm pretty good in college. And then senior year came, and I was just like, wasn't fulfilled with it, I guess. And mm-hmm. I felt I felt good my senior year, but then I the, the the back half of my my senior year, I started out hot, and then then I like slumped towards the end. Same, it, bro. It, yeah, and it was like Haunts me. Yeah, man. I went for I was like an over twenty one where I struck out twice. It was just like I just couldn't, couldn't find a gap. It was just in like in a, in a D three season, man. You're getting one hundred twenty at bats and like an over twenty. Yeah, don't hurt. Right, don't hurt right. bad. So regardless, yeah. not 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 neither here nor there. That doesn't matter. The biggest thing is I just didn't feel fulfilled. And my coach was just like, "Hey, do you want to keep playing?" And I'm like, "Yeah, like I do want to keep playing." Like, well, too bad, buddy. You went over twenty-one. Yeah. We stick. We stick. So it's like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter, anyways. But uh, <laughs> that's cool. But regardless, yeah, he was. He was like, "Do you want to keep playing?" He had a connection down in in Roswell. He had coached in the independent league down there. Roswell, and New Mexico. Roswell, New Mexico, which is the UFO capital of the world. By the way, boom, the invaders, baby. Wow. Wow, dude, there was an alien on every block. Like, there was an alien, like a little statue alien on every block. Neither here nor no there. No way. It was crazy. It was That's crazy. so there was cool. A, dude, th- dude, there was a UFO. They had a UFO, uh, like, festival every year. And, like, thousands and thousands of people would come from all over the country to, like, to, to see it. It was pretty It was pretty neat. Wait, to see but, what? To see, like, they had a UFO museum. And like, oh, it was just really? like they would have parades and, sh- and and stuff, and almost caught myself there. But they'd have parades and like a lot of a lot of different fest. It was like a festival. It was like a, a yeah. UFO festival. I never, I didn't really go into it. We were playing a lot, but it was it was nuts. But kind of bring me back to like talking to talking to a high schooler. I think, and it all depends on how, where you're at. But if you just love baseball and you want to keep playing, mm-hmm. a lot of times there's going to be opportunity. 
you know, and, and for me, it was like, I wanted to play until someone told me, don't play, you can't play, you, mm-hmm. want, you can't play. And for me, that's, I was, I'm a very goal driven guy. And I was just like, I want to keep going, going, going. Where is that spot where I stop? So then I had that opportunity in Roswell. I, I tried out down there and things went, things went well with the tryout. And I got lucky enough to make this team, barely made this team. And I was like one of the last three, one of the last three people on the, on the depth chart, pretty much like from day one. Like I knew like time was limited down mm-hmm. there. And, uh, yeah, I was, I, I was like, okay, let's, let's see how this goes. And as in the first like month of the year in Roswell, I was pretty much a pinch hitter and a defensive replacement in the, in the ninth inning. Cause we had this, this, this right fielder who was just like you know, a John, a John Carlos Stanton skill set type. Like, mm-hmm. can he play good outfield? No, but boy, can he hit a ball far? Mm. And so then I would, my role was essentially like a defensive replacement, which is just what every kid dreams of at night. So I was just, yeah, man, I just want to be Austin Jackson. (laughs) I just want to be Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson doesn't deserve that. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember, sorry, Action Jackson. Action Jackson. Action Jackson. That's unnecessary. I'm just talking about. Hey, Dwayne Wise, baby. Dwayne Dwayne Wise. What a play by Wise. But, uh, but regardless, uh, that was what I was doing, and I knew that my time was limited. Limited because then what happens is the draft happens, and when the draft happens, there's this like massive trickle effect. We're like, mm. okay, there's now there's a new crop of thousands of people who are going into pro ball. So guess what happens? People get cut. People get cut. People yep, get yep, cut. Yep. People get cut, and they're looking for a place to play. Looking for a place to play, and it makes its way into the independent leagues. And <laughs> and I knew that was happening, so I was like, Drew is gone. Like, I knew it right away. Like, I was very realistic. Like, there is a good chance mm-hmm. I'm gone. Um, so I was pinch hitting a bunch. That was pretty much it. So it was, like, hard to show you had a good opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. And then I I remember the draft happened. And then I, I felt suspicious that I was going to get cut, right? And I so then I talked, to the, I talked to the manager. And I was like, hey, I'm hearing that we're picking up a couple outfielders. Like, just uh, – uh, what, what's the deal? Like, it, am I am I safe or what's what's going on? He's like, I'll talk yeah. to you after the game. So I was like, that's really reassuring. Yeah. That was a thumbs up. So I was like, I'm gone, right? So yeah. go into this game. I get a pinch hit in the last inning, and to this point in my career, I had never swung at a three zero pitch, never, ever once, never once ever swung at a three zero pitch. It was three zero, and I looked down at him at third, and he was just like, and I was like, I literally looked at it, I was like, yeah. this is the last at bat. And then you point your bat to the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, and he gives me a 3-0 pitch, and I just like, (laughs) just whack this thing, right? Right at the third baseman, just... just Oh, I thought you were going to tell me you hit a home run or something. I crushed it, crushed it, (laughs) it tits off that thing, man. It was just right at him. So I was like, all right, that's it, that's it. That was good, that was fun. So then then after the game, I talked to Skip, and, and he was like, Hey, I think you Why the hell did you swing 3 0? Why'd you swing 3 0? I had the red light. <laughs> you know, but, you're going to have a starting spot next year, but now you're cut. <laughs> you're out. <laughs> but, but, so I'm like very much assuming that he's going to cut me. And yeah. he comes up, he's like, I, I think you can play in this league, but just not here. So he's like, I'm going to look for a trade for you in like the next couple weeks. So I was like, oh, sweet. Best news ever. I still get kick it with the boys. All this good stuff, right? And I was like, I get a mm-hmm. couple weeks, kind of chill out, still hang out, and then I'll go to a different place, right? Mm-hmm. The next day, we we had this cool 
thing with with playing there where we had to or we we could watch movies and go to the movie theater for free and like watch movies for like a couple hours on a Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. And during during like the morning hours or whatever. And so I I get done with a movie and I look at my phone. He's like, and, it's, and it was from from the manager, and he said, he's um, trade is finalized. Bring your stuff to the field. And I'm kind of thinking. I was like, oh god, like okay, that was quick. That was literally the next day. And I was like, ah, uh, okay my stuff to the field like why am i not going to an airport why am i not going to like a bus station why am i bringing my stuff to a field right mm-hmm. i got traded to the team that we were playing so <laughs> so i literally had to clear my locker out and during bp i walked across the field to the other to the other dugout and like plop my stuff in there and i was like hey guys i play for you now and then, <laughs> so then i played for the white sands pupfish which is if you don't know such an indie ball know. name great name. great dude, name. i've been a fan they, they... since day one <laughs> big old pop fish go pops go yeah. pops baby go, go pops. so go pops dude they had a great fan section though they, they would sell these fish bowls and just so you would have just liquored up fans just oh, <laughs> so classy so wild they were wild not classy at all horrible Wait, where horrible they uh, so this was in Alamogordo, New Mexico. Alamogordo. Jeez. Yeah, it was wild. But regardless, I got literally traded across the field. And then I ended up... So then the guy I got traded for... This is kind of crazy. And then my rant is over. Uh, the, the the guy I got traded for eventually got cut. And then he played for another team, Santa Fe Fuego. And I hit a home run off of him. So I literally got... So I hit a home run off of the guy that I got traded across the field for. Yeah. So it was... That was that. That's my that's my best. That's baseball, my best, baby. That's my that's my best story. I know I went very off kilter right there, but there you go. So I, you got a, you got a professional homer. Uh yeah. I let's I actually, go, bro. I actually hit two, and they were both in that game. <laughs> really? Yeah, both in that game. Yeah, I I'm not a power hitter, but that that day for some reason, it was there. Just had two. That's that hilarious. Just, like, flushed up, flushed up two of them, but yeah, never. Only just was like. My whole career was just like, just yeah, like, over the second baseman's head. Good job, Drew. And then Good he job. figured out you're a lefty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Ben Simmons. It's like, yeah. you know, let me try this. <laughs> so, wait a but minute. dude, that is awesome. Like, congratulations. Like, being able to say you played professional baseball and, and like didn't you made it sound like you were just gonna finish the story. Like, yeah, I got two at bats and then I, that was it. But you you went deep twice. I mean, that's. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but like, let's go back. I think a lot of kids think like, you know, which they should, they should think, you know, when I grow up, I want to be in the MLB, which is totally great. And, and, you know, they think about the minor leagues and all that, but they think that's the only avenue to professional baseball, which is just uninformed, like that and to no fault of their own, but kids need to realize and not, not just in baseball, but in other sports, there are countless different um, professional opportunities. So there's the lower level professional in, in the U S like independent ball. Um, and you got to realize that, that, that there are overseas opportunities. Something I just came across yesterday, which is pretty funny. I saw this guy, I forget his name, but he has like 250,000 followers on Instagram. He's a professional quarterback in Japan. And who the heck, who the heck knew that there was a professional football league in Japan? Uh, but you know, going back to baseball, I think baseball has one of the 
greatest budding professional networks like Taiwan, even Germany is creating a professional baseball league. Uh, like I work with Philippines baseball and we're trying to bring a professional league there, but a lot of good uh, Filipino players end up playing in different overseas leagues. Yeah. Like there are just so many different avenues that you can play uh, professionally. And, you know, I know we were talking about how we shouldn't uh, prioritize status and stuff, but I don't know how to categorize it, but you know, it is, it's more of a legacy thing in, in my opinion. Um, you know, if, if you have the ability, like I didn't think, I didn't even think about it as a possibility because I didn't think about overseas opportunities and I didn't really think about independent ball. So had I thought about that possibility when I'm a sophomore, junior in high school, I probably would have pushed myself a little bit more knowing that college yeah. was an end goal. In my mind, college was end goal. So I was yeah, like, that was I'm critical. not going to yeah. play after this. And, you know, my motivation was down. Definitely. Definitely. No, I agree. I mean, I, I think, and it teaches you, it, it can teach you a lot of valuable things because it might be a whole different avenue right here. But for example, like, I, so obviously worked really hard to throughout college. Just like you said, I thought it was, the pinnacle was college. I was like, realistically, I'm not, you know, I did well in college, but I was not. I, we had a teammate that was almost drafted and he was insane. He was mm. insane. And he was like projected to go deep, deep, deep in the draft. And I'm like, I am nowhere near that guy. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like this is probably it. This is probably the pinnacle of it. But mm -hmm. obviously when, after you get the opportunity, you're like, Oh my God, that's, if I can keep playing, heck yeah, get a tryout. What's the worst thing that can happen? You know, especially right. for, for those like, and you shot your shots. Yeah, man. Like, it's what's 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 the worst thing you're gonna do? Say no. And I think that's uh, there's a lot of valuable things in. in that Why'd you even show up to the field? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what I just saw was a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> but just, just just in general, like I think, you know, being goal driven is, is super yep. important. Not even just in baseball, just in life in general. I think I I learned a lot of valuable valuable characteristics and very valuable parts of through sport not just one sport just sport of just like determination and like staying committed to something and like seeing it to the end regardless mm -hmm. of what's going on and like really just like going for that goal i think it teaches you a lot of a lot of important things like when you get done with college because then when you're done with college like even if baseball isn't your thing like there's gonna be tons of opportunities in your life where it's like if you had a goal and you try to push it to a spot you're gonna get pretty close to where you want to be and if you know if, if if that's kind of the way that you're you're wired with baseball, it's going to carry over into, into the real world, and I think that can be very dude. important things. And if, yeah. like with 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 indie ball, like I got there, dude, and I was getting paid fifty bucks a week, fifty bucks a week, and in, in indie ball, it's like that'll teach you a thing or two. Mm -hmm. That'll teach you a thing or two about like, okay, I'm an adult. All right, I yeah. gotta get food here all right so now yeah. it's like the goals start changing and the goals you have to i think there was just whether it was bad or good like you have to if you have good goals to kind of like shoot for you're you're goal driven and you can utilize that through sport through life it can mm -hmm. take you a lot of really cool places dude we could do a whole episode on just how like i think everyone kind of thinks that their sport is like the perfect blueprint for life but I think because of the inherent like failing nature of baseball, I just think it it's probably the most yeah it's it's the most mind game it's the most it's the sport you can learn the most lessons from. But let's move on. So after you started.
playing, you started powerlifting. Yeah. You worked up to a 501.5 squat, 330 bench, and 606 deadlift. Those yeah. are some numbers. So I want you to talk, I mean, that's, you started powerlifting after, but mm -hmm. give some insight to athletes on how they can improve their strength and what role this can play in their performance and recruitability. 100%. Talk about being an athlete. athlete. You know, it, if you can be a more explosive athlete, what is that going to do for you on a baseball field? What yeah. is that going to do for you on a basketball court, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Like, Especially if, if baseball you, where it's, it's the most short spurt explosive totally, sport. Totally. And a lot of times, like, you always hear, like, I've heard this from old heads or just, you know, people who just don't understand very much where they're like, oh, I'll, you'll get too bulky. It'll slow you down. Every year I gained, every year in college, I gained 5 to 10 pounds. Uh, I would say of just muscle, but just mass. I gained 5 to 10 pounds every year. Beast. Gained 5 to 10 pounds every year. My 60 time went down every year. So if you if you want to see 100-meter sprinters, go look up on Olympic 100-meter sprint, like finalists or, or something along those lines. And those guys are not thin, wiry guys. These guys are jacked. They're humongous. And why is because... They have these quick twitch fibers that they train to get so that they can be faster and more explosive. And I think that's massive in sports and baseball in general, like being quick. Mm -hmm. It's not always about being fast. It's about quick. How quick and how how fast can you accelerate? Because, again, it's 90 feet. It's not, you know, a long distance. You're not – you're just a bunch of quick short spurts. So if you can train quick explosive movements, man, that can be a game changer, dude. And I would change a lot of what I did because I just didn't know what I was doing. Because uh, I, I just knew powerlifting movements. We had strength coaches yeah. that were just like, hey, if you can bench a lot, that's good. But it's like I had no flexibility. I had zero mm -hmm. flexibility. But I didn't know that that was a massive – I was not aware of that. Yeah. That I understood like, oh, yeah, flexible is good. But the thing is with strength is like if you're if you're just strong with no mobility, you, it, it's not going to apply to, right. to it. sports. Because you gotta yeah, I could be able to be strong with a long range of motion. Dude, like I was like, what the heck? I bench over 300 pounds. I could squat for something in college. Like I could deadlift the house, and I can't hit the ball past the outfielder. Like, mm -hmm. what the heck is I gotta give? Because those muscles a... can't move. Like I was just a brick. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> I was just a brick. You know, like so. I, that's that's the biggest thing I would change, and what I really preach now mm -hmm. is like. Strength is just as important as mobility. Like, as strong okay. as you are, you need to be Coming just as from mobile. from powerlifter, that's huge. You need to be just as mobile. Yeah, I mean, in, in the powerlifting for me was more so like I got done with sports and I was like, I love competing. Right. I've always been naturally pretty strong, like somewhat strong, like naturally given. So I was like, okay, like I'll keep doing that as a competition. But like powerlifting is awesome and it shows you a lot of cool, cool, really – good explosive movements that can help you as an athlete but mobility mm -hmm. i promise is just as important or if not more important in in baseball because think like pitchers look look at what they're able to do none of those guys aren't massive they have some tree trunk legs but like what are they long and they can stretch your body's yeah, and hitting yep. and hitting and fielding and anything i should say in fielding but just in in pitching and throw, throwing, moving, your body is a literally a rubber band. If you can't stretch your rubber band, you're not going to be able to fire your rubber band. And that with those two movements, okay, that's 90% of baseball. If you can 
you can hit, you can throw, you're taking care of a lot of big, big, important stuff. And if you can't move that the way that you could be, you could bench 500 pounds for all I care. You could squat 700 pounds for all I care. But if you can't move your body to utilize that strength. Yeah, I hear you. And, and for me, I didn't really touch weights until I was in college. And mm-hmm. I weighed 135 my senior year. So obviously that just wasn't super attractive to, uh, you know, program. So, um, I think any training that you do is going to be good, but exactly what you were saying, it has to be a balance. And especially in baseball, I mean, all sports, you want to train it with your sports movements in mind, but yeah, strength and flexibility, great plan to start. But point being, I think have a plan. Like if you're serious about being recruited, you have to have the physicals that match up with that. Like so much of, you know, sports is physique and, and your physical ability. So don't ignore that. Uh, you Definitely. know, you can be skilled, but you need to have some, you know, power to back that skill. And that, that's something uh, I lack. If, I, if I'm speaking to uh, high school athletes of any age and you know you can, you know, hit that physique profile better, then get to that before, you know, it's recruiting time where it's make or break, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's good but to understand, la- like, sorry, I think it's good to yeah. understand, phys- like, your physique, but then yeah. also performance. Because, because yeah. like, I'll be honest, like, when I was in high school, the only reason I lifted, I was like, I'm trying to get a six-pack. I want to bench, I want to bench 225, because that'd be yeah. cool. You know, yeah. and, like, and that's, and I'm just speaking to high schoolers, like, that stuff is cool, but you got to understand the performance aspect to it. And what I mean by that is eat. Yeah, <laughs> eat. dude. Eat I need some to eat freaking food, man. And I'm, yeah. I haven't eaten yet today, so here I am, just <laughs> talking from my my armchair strength coach right here. But uh, <laughs> Can I get but, some tricep dips on this. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I I and I've you as well. I've worked with tons and tons of high school athletes, and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm trying to cut. I'm trying to I'm trying to make sure that I look ripped." It's like, dude, you have a game tomorrow you have a tournament this weekend if you aren't eating eating is fuel if you are yeah. not eating you are not fueled if you are not fueled you will suck you might do okay mm-hmm. you might get a couple hits but you're gonna feel like crap halfway through and it's going to affect your performance physically and this mentally 100 100 percent. and i see it time and time again where they're like i gotta look good i gotta look good it's like dude you can get away with eating anything right now yeah. I don't even like – like obviously I, I try to say like, hey, nutrition is good. But try to get a 16-year-old to eat chicken and rice for five days a week. Good luck. Okay. What we get – what you need to do is eat freaking food. Eat as much as you can. Eat as much as you can. If you're, if you're working out and you're putting in a lot of time and expending a lot of energy somewhere, eat as much as you can and can yeah. put in your body. If you want to gain muscle, if you want to get big and strong and explosive, you have to fuel your body. Eat some food, man. Hey, eat some it sounds, sounds obvious, but if I – like 15-year-old, 16-year-old me needed to hear this. 100%. Especially with how fast my metabolism was, I couldn't afford to not – yeah, I needed to overeat versus. One hundred percent. Sometimes I would undereat, and with my metabolism, metabolism, my frame, it Just, it uh, yeah. yeah, plummeted me. Definitely. Yeah. And you don't, you All might right. not know it because you're 16, but it's you know, it's. It matters. It is a Sometimes you just got to hear it from a guy, from <laughs> like us two. We're fresh out of it. You got to hear it. You know. Yeah, just before but, we're 50. Dr. Because we're so big on teaching fundamentals, this is the last question. 
we work with a large range of age groups. Like I know you've worked like players even six. I've worked with seven year olds up to college level. Um, can you talk about how important it is to cater your communication style when coaching, mm. let's say an eight year old, for example, versus a college player? Definitely. I, I love that. I've worked with five to 65. So I've worked with every age <laughs> you can possibly imagine. And everyone learns like they're five years old, but you have to understand how everyone learns because it doesn't, it could be two, six year olds could learn completely different ways. And two 65 year olds could learn two completely different ways. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and if I'm speaking to like coaches, you know, if I'm talking to like coaches right now, uh, it's just understand how, who they are before you just start talking. You know, yeah. I think ask questions, get a feel of like, who they are as a person, I think yeah. that's super important. Again, I'll go back to the very first thing. We are teachers. We are not tellers. A lot of coaches, we get into a habit of like, hey, I know it works. This is what you're doing. But it's like if that yeah. doesn't click, if that doesn't click for that person, it's a moot point, and they're not going to remember any of the stuff that we just talked about. So, if you can, it's about developing a relationship with them. If you are, if you are a coach like us, where we're doing like lessons, or even mm-hmm. if you have a team in general. Like I know you do a fantastic job of, of building relationships and having a connection with each person. You're the handshake guy of you're the handshake guy. <laughs> so, and and I think that's super important is if you can understand how if you can have a relationship with that person before you're just their coach. I yeah. think, or obviously while you're being your coach, you develop that relationship. Mm-hmm. But that is that is so key because if I know how this person learns and, and reacts to criticism or doesn't take criticism well or how they can process this information that is so so important so the how to summarize that i guess what i would say is learn who they are and get to know them really dig into who they are ask them questions ask them about their day how are they doing they're not just a baseball player talk about what their hobbies are this because guess what they're going to start to open up once they Mm -hmm. start to open up feel more comfortable with you you can start having real conversations about this and they can talk to you not like you're a coach you don't want people to talk to you like they're their coach i think in a lot of times in lesson settings that's that's what is a huge unlocker for me is like i want to make sure that they understand that they can trust me they can be comfortable around me so that we can start having those uncomfortable conversations and really get somewhere because if they're just like yes coachers where they're just like, yep, yeah, yep. They're not retaining anything. They're just a robot. And guess what? We don't take that bat, the glove, whatever. With we don't put it on in the field form. We don't. They have to be the person out there coaching themselves. So we have 100%, to allow them. Hundred percent, dude. Love that you just said that. We have to allow them to do that. We mm-hmm. have to give them the tools that can allow them to coach themselves. So how do we do that? Get them comfortable. Understand how they learn. Talk to them as a person as they are. And then use baseball through that. Mm-hmm. And use that then, and, and that's way more important than the baseball. Then the baseball comes easy. If you're just talking baseball, you'll never get to them. You'll never. They won't learn the right ways. Then I should say the right ways. They won't actually learn. They'll be a robot to you as a coach, and that can kill an athlete. Right. And I think, two. Well, you said a lot of great things there, but two that are top of mind. You said care and trust. I think you know they're directly related. People in anything, think about anyone that you trust, they have some level of care towards you or, or towards whatever, you know, uh, they care about your work, etc. Um, 
if you ask those important questions, like literally just don't be like right when they show up, like, all right, get on the tee. All right, like, let's work on your dribbling. All right, you know, like, I and that's a great way to, to learn about whoever you're coaching. Like, I always start off like, yo, how's your weekend? How was school today? You know, it's just kind of a good way to give them a, get a read on them, but it's also their opportunity to, you know, open up to you, and it's an opportunity yeah. to uh, strengthen that connection. Uh, and then the second best part you said about that was giving – the players the tool to be their own coach because like I work with my kids usually once a week and they're one hour lessons you're not gonna get good at a sport one hour a week but if you like I think the purpose of coaching the mindset coaching has to be is providing players the tool to like you said be their own coach because that's so much about explaining the why teaching not telling if you teach them then they understand the concepts so then when they do practice they're practicing with higher quality practice can actually all practice isn't good practice can actually make you worse and i'm i know i've made myself worse practicing the wrong way like i would i had this uh this kind of a funny tangent but i had this like pole that was in my basement and i would like bring a bat and like you know, hit it like it was the contact point. And I did that so, but it wasn't, you know, as a pull. I couldn't swing hard and it would bounce back. Yeah. So I would just, it would interrupt my swing. And then when it came to game time, I couldn't have a fluid swing because I always worked on stopping my swing, swing at the yeah. contact point. So, yeah, um, yeah that was kind of just a, a side oh, point. I but it, had I known, you know, fundamental things, how to coach myself, the quality of my practice would have been better. And it's that one hour lesson plus the practice that you do on your own with the proper concepts. That's what makes you better. 100%. And I think as if I'm talking to coaches, I think this is probably this is if I've had a couple coaches or like new coaches ask me, like, what's what's like the number one thing? And it's mm -hmm. hard to bring it down to number one. I think the relationship is super, super important. Absolutely. Yeah. But in terms of coaching, I think the biggest thing that gets people stuck in a loop where they never get better is they try to learn six things at once. Yeah. And if you try to learn six things at once, you learn nothing. You learn absolutely mm -hmm. nothing. It's when you are working or like if, if you're the coach, I don't care if it feels like you're just beating a dead horse. Make yeah. sure that you're doing that because like for example, like with I'm working with a six-year-old, I do thumbs up swings. Okay, Thumbs up swings is what I do. And what I mean by that is the only goal to get a thumbs up is your head stays on the tee after you're done swinging. Yeah. And this could be this could be for anything. That could be isolate one thing. Isolate one thing. It's like I don't care if you swing and miss. I say I say right at the beginning, if you swing and miss and your head's on the tee, you give me a big old thumbs up. You hit a dinger, your head goes off the tee, you give me a thumbs down. If we can understand how you can control one thing, you start coaching yourself. Because then by the end of the lesson, I just say, hey, I'm a, I'm gonna be quiet for the next five swings. I need you to coach yourself. And so oh. then they go up. They go up, swing, head stays down, thumbs up to me. Go again, head swings, thumbs up, back to me. Because then, guess what? Then they go to the then they go to the tee tomorrow, and I say, hey, get 20 thumbs up swings tomorrow. They go to the tee, they can do that on their own. They know exactly what they're working on. They have one specific focus, so they know that they are doing that thing right. If they do it wrong, they know if they're doing that one thing wrong. If you try to do six things, you have six check marks that you're trying to cross off. You don't know which ones you screwed up on, and you can't adjust. Mm -hmm. You can't get better, and you can't learn from there. Yeah, I, I love that you do that. I do that in a similar way too. Um, like I think it's so important to 
start off before you get into a drill, before you isolate something, preface it with like, hey, listen, like this is going to take like a little bit and you're just starting this for the first time. So don't be mad if you mess up. You're going to mess up, especially in baseball. But this applies to all sports, especially in baseball, especially in hitting, especially. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, you're going to mess up. It's part of the learning process. Um, So I I give them that and that kind of lets their guard down. I notice when I haven't said that they'll get frustrated like they expect themselves to do it so yeah it's prefacing that but then yeah i think a good way to phrase the concept that you just said is exchange statements with questions because when statements like you said that's telling and questions is two-way teaching it's allowing that like when you ask a question it it warrants a response it makes them have like their triggers in their mind automatically yeah. start going off. They have to think about, you know, what you just asked them. They have to use their brain to think find for that themselves. answer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just, and, and a lot of the times they'll go in there, you know, they'll go eyes up, think for two seconds, be like, huh, I don't know. And that's, it's really important to challenge kids as well. It's be like, you know, I'm, so I'm a guy. They're six. They're seven. They're eight. They're whatever. You know, like they right. Gotta, but they I also self talk. Ch- right. I also challenge them. I'd be like, bro, you just thought for two seconds. That's not even thinking. Like, and don't. And I always say this. I say, don't look for word answers. Like, like this is in school. You're not no, trying you to didn't. memorize a word. Not your teacher. Like, think about think about the uh, the movement you just did, and then just talk me through it. Explain it. Like, I think challenging kids like that. that, that's the most effective way to make them their own coach. Like, make them think coherently and in-depth about what you're asking. Yeah, you're 100% right, because that's literally having them coach themselves. Yeah. And I say, in, in what you're saying, I, I do a very similar thing. I love that. I love that, Murph, because uh, if you can be like, hey, like, I'm not a teacher. Don't talk to me like I'm a teacher. Don't be like, I'll have it. You know, they'll do a swing. and be like, hey, what were you thinking right there? Everything you taught me, coach. And it's like, I'm like, dude. Not a real answer, bro. Dude, like that's uh, that's how I talk to him, uh, and that's part of the communication style too. Like, yeah, yeah, right. And you're so great at that. Like, you cater the tone and stuff that you use and, and your verbiage with these kids so well, and that's so important. Like, like that that's part of the relationship building too. Like, kids kids subconsciously recognize when you're trying to speak their language. And not only just kids, like anyone appreciates that when you're making the effort to improve that communication style towards them. Mm. Um, and, you know, like you said, you have to know your player to learn how to most effectively coach them because everyone's different. But an example, like this is my general approach. You know, I say bro and stuff like, you know, conversationally, but it's I relatable. think I really I tick that up when I'm working with kids because I think, especially for you and me, I think there's a strength that we're young adults, like we're, Definitely. you know, Definitely. we're adults, but we're also kids at the same time. Yeah. In a sense. Oh yeah. I I really lean into that. What do you and mean, I think, bro? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, bro. But I, I try to get these kids to like understand that. I try to speak their language, and I say, ah, oh, bro, like what was that? I try to, and and that tone like makes it a correlation of fun for them and they they put their guards down they're no longer Mm. so pressed and stressed to be like oh and and that's what the natural inclination is for like 45 year old no no disrespect to dads but like there's just naturally you're naturally not on that communication level in most cases 
I love that. I love that. And that could get in a whole other avenue right there because that's the problem with baseball, man. That is the problem is guess what? Because I see it. If you ever coach like I – so I have the privilege of coaching a 10U or it was really an 8U, 8U fall ball team this, mm-hmm. this year. And it's like you get to see the real problem of what screws up these hitters and gets them into a bad mental state as a hitter as a young age. And it's because they are so dang worried about screwing up. They're yeah. so dang worried to screw up because I have, I have people reach out to me all the time like, hey, my kid, he practices it, balls out, kills it, goes in the game, and then the same isn't there. And like, and it's not always the same. Like sometimes, you know, you just get anxious, you get nervous at the game. But it's like you see it when someone screws up and dad or someone is like, hey, hey, blah, blah, keep your head on it, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I, and I'll see it. The, the number one sign is this. They swing and miss and they look, right? Look right at dad. Look right at mom. And it's and and that's and, and and again, they're doing this because they are just so worried about screwing up. They're so worried about screwing up that they are not swinging hard. They're not loading hard. They're not doing anything with real intensity because they're just like they look at like, oh my god, if I screw up, what's gonna happen? Dude, you hit that so on the head. And and dr, we're gonna have you on another episode <laughs> of another time. Like I we go just for covered another couple hours, Murph. We dude, especially on that hours, topic. Man. Uh, but we'll leave it there. Dr, yeah. you're the man. So people can follow you. Hitters follow Drew Richard at d dot r dot hitting on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and is that your Facebook page handle as well? Yep, it's like d d dot r dot so dr hitting uh, coaching and instructions. Yeah, you type in d dot r dot hitting, it'll show up me on it on every platform. Okay, great. Well, Drew, you're the man, bro. Appreciate you hopping hey. on. Seriously, man, thanks for having me on. This is I'll talk too to much soon. fun. Always love chopping it up with you, dude. Let's go, bro. Let's go. Let's keep crawling, bro. Right. Peace.